I'm going to try to catch a bit of that remaining sunlight at the end of this day before the sun goes down during this week's walk. Well, it's not the only walk I'm going to do this week, but it's the only one that I'm going to do with you. And then later on for my patrons, of course, the extra mile. I'm glad that we actually have some blue skies and some sunlight this morning. It was gray and overcast and wouldn't surprise me if we get some more rain and clouds and gray skies tomorrow. Is that time of year. I'm already happy that it's not as cold as it as it was a while ago. That's also very good for <laughs> my finances because the gas prices of course are towering high and uh this is not a very well insulated uh, rectory we we did put um, some extra insulation on in the attic but just on top of the of the ceiling or well <laughs> actually above the ceiling but the actual roof itself is is not protected against the cold and so above my my bedroom my studio the office um, the temperature inside is as cold as it is outside and I think in order to really make the house uh, warmer and nicer to be at to be in to live in we will probably have to uh, to do the rest of the insulation as well but that uh, that's a huge undertaking so (laughs) for now I'm done with renovation I'm done with uh, with changing more things in the house um, I need to first take some time to live in this house and to work in this house, which actually is uh, is going quite all right. I am uh, getting into the rhythm of uh, our weekly productions. We know what we're going to do this year. Um, with the patrons, I will talk a little bit more about the plans for 2022 during the extra mile. Um, but I'm I'm happy to say that we have a clear focus, and I think that we are... Well, with the experience of the previous years, um, we are very well prepared to uh, to do a lot, but at the same time to keep it balanced. One of the issues that we've been struggling with last year was, of course, with all the extra pressure from the pandemic and uh, the difficulties of producing television episodes when when it's still risky to travel and to go outside. Um, made it very inventive but it was also extra difficult and then of course with the added move to uh, to this new rectory and the renovation and everything it just uh, was a lot <laughs> it was a lot and this year is going to be uh, hopefully a much a much calmer year um, but also because there's more focus I think we can really make some uh, some progress and uh, the the biggest challenge for me is to take it easy, to not immediately start running again, uh, which is a kind of a, almost a built-in mechanism where if I get enthusiastic about something, I just want to go for it 200%. And uh, these first two weeks, I've been uh, uh, working on the first documentary um, that is uh, telling the story of the island of Iona, which is a beautiful tiny island on the west coast of Scotland and uh, uh, in the early middle ages 
So we're talking like 6th century. Um, an Irish monk settled there with a couple of uh, fellow brothers. And they founded a monastery which would end up influencing Christianity in, 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 in a huge part of mainland Europe. And also, of course, in Ireland and England. And so uh, we've been working on translating texts and writing introductions and um, also kind of rethinking how we tell that story, which is a lot of fun. But it's also, it was, it was still harder than I thought it would be. But I think we're going to be fine. Now, let me see, how do I... How do I go about this place? I'm actually walking in the, um, on the graveyard of the local town. And there are two sections of the graveyard. One is very close to where I live. And then there's a road which separates that part from this part, which is much larger. Um, and I think there is also an exit on the left side, so I continue towards the woods, but so far I can't find it. There is a bench here where you can sit. Is this an exit? No, it's not. I'm just looking at a fence of uh, the backyard of the people that live next to the, to the graveyard. Well, I'll, I guess I'll just have to walk back. I thought there was an exit, but there is not. This is a pretty big graveyard for a, for a relatively small town. And from the looks of it, at least this is a Catholic uh, tombstone because it has the symbol of the cross and then also the uh, like Eucharistic symbolism. But this is... Ah, okay. It's because it's the grave of a, of a couple and she is from Poland because it has Polish text on it. So that's probably why that is a Catholic grave. Um, but it, this might be mixed up because I also see a lot of graves where there are no crosses. So I guess that this is a public, uh, a, pu- a public graveyard. Yeah, this is also a Catholic tombstone. Which is kind of interesting because um, originally... This town was um, mostly Protestant, and a lot of the Catholics that live here and also that worship here are from out of town. And in the past, uh, there would be a pretty strict separation between Catholics and non-Catholics for their burial places. But apparently, that is not the case here. So, um, starting to work on the documentaries, that is, that is very exciting. Um, uh, the, also, what we're doing right now is kind of making the transition, of course. We, what we want to do this year is to make a couple of new documentaries. Uh, but we'll have to wait until we can travel again, which, well, technically, of course, you could do. But in order to be efficient... Um, and also to uh, be able to move around freely, we have to wait until the uh, infection rates go down, which hopefully is something that uh, will, uh, will happen when the weather starts to improve, just like it has in previous years. Uh, 
Um, the second big challenge for me is <laughs> to uh, to make sure that I also start developing the the channels that I'm using in this year and in the future years. For uh, oh, this is where is this a road? No, this is where I entered. Oh well, I'll figure it out some other time. Um, th- th- since my uh, let's say the, the one of the one of the channels to reach lar- a large part of the population in the Netherlands is now uh, close to me, and it's still unclear um, if what 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 I will do for Dutch TV this year. It may very well be that uh, uh, I'll still. Uh, produce a, a couple of programs but until that is clear of course I need to make sure that I have my own channels and I build these channels to uh, to continue to to tell my stories and to reach an audience and to help the viewers um, in their walk of faith and their walk through life and, and, and that is exciting I'm really enjoying uh, working on on the YouTube channel and on uh, uh, adding extra audio content to the podcast feeds, which is uh, something that, well, won't immediately benefit the regular listeners because they already have their uh, their weekly shows. But for the patrons, we're adding some extra content. For instance, the homilies that I do every week, um, based on the Bible readings of that Sunday, but also with... Uh, uh, lots of analogies and stories from movies, TV shows, um, books. Those homilies were going to isolate the audio. I made an intro. I actually just finished to uh, to record an intro and an outro for that. So that's an extra service. And we're just trying to make it really worth the people's while to uh, to become a patron, to join the community. We're also working on uh, expanding the Discord server, which is a, a great place to hang out, and it's getting really, um, I wouldn't say busy, but it's it's really starting to feel like a place where there are always people that are awake. In the beginning, a lot of people didn't know what Discord was. I didn't know what Discord was, and then uh, it starts to become a little bit more mainstream, and so more and more people are hanging out there and uh and it's a great place great place to chat about a, a myriad of things but we're also thinking of how can we use that community even more to uh to accompany people and to help them with their questions but also to get input from the community as to the programs that we make the questions that they want us to answer um and and I think that's the way forward to do this together as a community and I am of course still one of the central figures when it comes to the um, let's say the visible part of the of what we do but I believe that it's very important to broaden that I can get sick Uh, (laughs) anything can happen I had uh, COVID uh, last year or at least the symptoms of uh, long COVID last year that made it hard for me to do more than just a bare minimum and that was when I started to realize well this needs to be if this is a communal effort if this is a communal journey that we make then we need more shepherds we need more 
people that are uh, there to to form this fellowship together. It should not, not just depend on me. Actually, that's one of the things that they taught us in Rome when I was studying social uh, communications at the Gregorian University. Um, we were not only taught how to make radio and video and uh, internet, but we were also trained in uh, the organizational parts of it. And one of the things that I clearly remember from uh, one of my favorite professors was always make yourself dis dispensable, is that the word? <laughs> make sure that whatever you found, whatever you start, can continue without you. Especially if you're a priest, if you're a religious uh, person, the, uh, the, 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 one of the essential elements of your vocation is that you can be asked elsewhere. You can, you can get a different assignment. Uh, things can change. But if you want to help people, you, you have to make sure that the, 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 the enterprise or whatever you found is that they can depend on it and that it doesn't depend on one person. And it's, it's uh, important in many ways. Also, because I think that what, especially in this field of, of faith and helping people uh, to connect with the church and to, or to have a church experience in this community that we form, this international community, the face of the community should be just as diverse as the church is in itself. The church is not just priests not just bishops, it's not just the Pope. It's, a, it's an entire community. And if you want to help people, you have to give them role models and preferably from all sorts of walks of life and different cultures and, and maybe even languages, even though we are focusing right now on English as a language that a lot of us share uh, it, to, to a certain degree. Across the road here, I think I recognize this I'm on the outskirts of my town. This is kind of the fancy neighborhood with all the villas and really, really nice houses. And it's close to the woods. So if I continue straight, I think I will be in, well, in different, in different part of the wood, woods than where I normally walk. And I, but I'm often here during my running training, which unfortunately I still have to skip because my legs are not healed yet. I uh, got an injury two weeks ago because I uh, ran without a warming up and I think I overstretched my calves. And at first I thought it was just the left leg, but now I feel that also my right leg is pulling a little bit. And even though it's been two weeks, I think the fact that it's the weather is cold, I'm, uh, I'm adjusting kind of my my uh, work, life, sleep schedule quite a bit. I'd, I think that, that my body takes a bit more time to recover from that injury. And if there's one thing that I know I should do is to rest and, and be patient with myself. If you overdo it, then um, the injury can get worse. So that's absolutely something I don't want to <laughs> undergo because I love running way too much. Uh, but normally when I'm, when I'm here, it's dark and you can't see anything. Well, you can see the, the, the windows, but now I can see what these houses look like by daylight and it's gorgeous. 
especially this house here on the right, which is a huge house that looks straight from a fairy tale. It's like built with these big wooden poles and I think the entire house at least looks as if it's built from from wood, which is rare in the Netherlands. And it's got this uh, almost Canadian vibe. This could be in the middle of, uh, (laughs) I don't know, what Canadian wintry province. It's gorgeous, but very atypical for, um, for Dutch architecture. So um, the, the challenge for me is to not overdo it um, and, and to ease into it. What I've been doing a lot is, is, uh, is also learning. Uh, how can we approach this? For instance, how do I grow a community? It's one of the essential things that we want to pursue this year is um, making every decision on the basis of, the, of, of that the, the goal of what we do in the media is not to make programs. It's not even just to inform or to educate. That is all lofty. But what it is truly about, and I think what is most needed in these times, is to form community, to help people find friends. Um, the COVID pandemic has uh, made it even harder for a lot of people to connect, to have friends. And um, it has isolated a lot of people from the church, from their local faith community. And I feel that we have a mission there to reconnect people with one another, form new friendships. And uh, and it's also, for me, it's a very natural uh, thing to do as a priest, being a shepherd. So... I like that pastoral uh, dimension that we are putting front and center in what we do. Let me turn to the right here. This is where the forest begins. And I'll just go and follow this winding path covered in decaying leaves. There's not much green here. Hello. Just people walking their dog. And uh, the, uh, uh, the, the art of forming community is also what uh, these bigger um, media platforms are hoping that we do. It's not just about the metrics or about um, gaming the algorithm. I talk a lot about algorithm, but in fact what the algorithm wants to detect and, and, and promote is community. It's... Uh, uh, recurring friendships because the more the stronger the bond is between people the more they will come together on that platform right so uh, and that of course is how they sell their advertisements now um the uh with all the research there the one thing that uh, keeps coming back time and again is consistency in fact it's it's in, in general, if you look at successful channels, successful communities online on YouTube, for instance, it's 10% quality and 90% consistency. So you see people really flourish on social media with um, content that visually, technically, isn't that special. They don't have the, the, like the editing skills that we have as a standard in television they don't have the cameras or the lights 
But what they do have is consistency there. They always show up. Um, they post multiple videos every, every week. Videos are well prepared. They're concise. And for me, that is, that is the, that's a huge learning process. Especially the thing... What I, so the, what I know how to do is how to make video, how to film, the technical side, how to edit. I know all that. But what I am still learning and I feel really like a beginner is to, um, to forget about my, my tendency to, to be perfectionist, uh, to, to, to deliver a perfect pro, uh, product, but to show up and be myself, even if it's not always like a 10 out of 10. It's more important to be there and to always bring your A-game. Of course, I want to bring my A-game, but oftentimes I just don't have that um, luxury yet. Uh, there is still a lot of stuff that we're, uh, that are part of the organizational you know, aspects of, of the work. We are still wrapping up some stuff from last year um, uh, and, and writing plans for the new year. So there's a lot of extra work that prevents me currently from from sitting down every day for two hours and write a script for for videos on YouTube, which actually would make what I do much more concise and uh, have more power and probably also be much better for audience retention. And, well, I think last year what held me back is this this idea that I I had to do all that before I could put out a video. And I'm, I'm constantly convincing myself to just switch on the camera and... And, and start talking. It doesn't have to be perfect. And yes, sometimes I record these very long videos and I'm like, sometimes it's like uh, some of my homilies that can really be long. And I know that I can still, you know, tell a, a story. I'm, as a podcaster, I'm used to long form. But what what is the difference between podcasting, especially a, a, a podcast like this, and, uh, and a video on YouTube is you can just listen to this and doing something else at the same time, right? Plus, I'm outside and I'm describing where I am. I've got these <laughs> rabbit holes <laughs> where I'll just talk all of a sudden about something. That, so it, it, it kind of changes the, the, uh, the, 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 the subject matter and it returns to what I was talking about. Unexpected things will happen. We'll come across dogs <laughs> and uh, and whatnot, so that all helps to keep you engaged. Plus, it doesn't feel for you like something that is gobble up all your attention because while you're listening to this, you may be in the car, you may be uh, walking your dog, or doing the dishes, or, or what ironing ironing your shirts. Um, whereas with YouTube, you've got that connection between uh, the content and the, the video and the device on which you're watching this and on most mobile devices for instance you can't really switch off the screen because it will stop the audio i know that there are certain solutions for that but it's it's a visual medium so the you can use it for for audio and some people do it but it's it's never gonna work that well for for a lot of people so in order to you know keep people interested and engaged it's better to be well prepared and to kind of switch it up and hey what if i turn to the left here this is only because it's still daylight 
I can see that there is a path that I never saw before. All right. Nice. It's a patch of grass here on the right. Interesting. And we're going uphill, so I may be uh, a little bit more out of breath. <laughs> One of the reasons, this is an aside, um, that I'm also a bit more out of breath is <laughs> I've, I've been trying to wake up really early um, in, the, in the new year. So I'm, I've been switching my clock back to five o'clock in the morning, which obviously also requires me to go to bed at, what is it, nine o'clock to, uh, to uh, have eight hours of sleep. And I'm, so far, I'm really liking the, the, the change because, especially in the morning, it's much easier to focus and to do writing. Um, but I still have that tendency to uh, prolong my evenings. And this is, uh, often results in me having, you know, being unable to stop my mind from thinking. And so last, last evening, I was in bed at nine. It's like, I got to go to, I got to sleep now. And I switched off all the screens. I didn't watch any TV. Um, it was um, Sunday evening, so I had celebrated two masses, two different homilies. I was really tired. Um, and yet, because I was telling myself, and you, you have to sleep now. You really have to get those eight hours because I want to wake up at five. I couldn't sleep because <laughs> there was there was this pressure like you have to sleep. No, don't listen to podcasts. No, don't don't read now. You have to sleep. So I'm lying there in bed and I'm wide awake and my brain is like, oh, but tomorrow there's so much stuff that I need to do, and I I need my sleep. But why can't I sleep? And you get that, you know, infernal cycle of uh, <laughs> I have to sleep, but I can't sleep. But if I don't sleep, I can't work, etc. May sound familiar to some of you that also have sleep issues. Normally I don't. I sleep uh, pretty well. But I notice that the fact that I'm not running right now, and so the only movement that I get is from, you know, every once in a while taking my bike or go for a walk, but I can't even walk very long because of the, the injury. Um, I'm just not as tired in the evening. Uh, and then uh, this, this tendency to prolong my days and to just do all this. So I've been making a lot of, hey, that's a dog. I was like, who are you? Hey. Hey. Yeah, he's just sniffing my hand here. Yeah. Where's your owner? Oh, there they are. There they are. They're walking there. Yeah. Yeah, you're following the wrong dude. <laughs> hey, you hear they're calling you. Yeah. They're just looking at me and looking at them. Like, who am I going to follow? Well, I guess if I don't whistle, I just continue. Then he'll uh, he will turn to to his owners. If not, then I have a new pet. <laughs> so uh, I've been I've been making some of those new videos, trying to uh, apply some of that knowledge that I gathered <clears throat> from online uh, uh, content producers. Uh, especially when it comes to the narrative side, you know, how do you tell a story um, and, and keep people engaged and opening story loops. I think I already shared some of that in, in, in other podcasts. But uh, uh, the thing is, I'm still new to all that. I can't do it on automatic pilot. And so oftentimes I, I have, I struggle with 
estimating the, the real amount of time that it's going to cost me. Because I'm thinking, I'm just going to record like a 10-minute video with uh, some theological commentary on a Star Wars video or something like that. And how hard can that be, talk for 10 minutes? And then it takes me like four hours to, to prepare, record, post, optimize it, uh, create thumbnails. And I get just so um, uh, perfectionistic. Then I, so I post it, for instance. Oh, there's the dog again. He's, he's running towards me again. <laughs> hey, wait a beer. Wait a beer. Yeah, but I can't even play with you. And a podcast on top name. Gaan we terug? Ja, gaan we terug. Waar is je baasje dan? Waar is je baasje? This dog doesn't speak English, so... Kijk, daar. Daar zijn ze. Daar. <laughs> He's looking at me like... Why don't you want to play with me? <laughs> And the owners are a little bit like... What are you doing there? You don't belong to that guy. <laughs> so the... the uh, The, the the trick for me is to stop working and to just you know let it go i have an entire year to build this up it doesn't have to be perfect right from the start and um so every morning when i do my journaling i write down so one of the questions in my journal is what at what time will you stop working and this morning i wrote down i'm going to stop working at 5 p.m. for real this time <laughs> Because these past two weeks I wrote that every morning and then I still end up working until eight o'clock or nine o'clock in the evening. And that's when I have to go to bed. And it's, yeah, it's insane. But uh, what time is it now, actually? Now that I think of it, I should be honest and tell you what time it is. Well, it is now 4.30, right? 4.30 in the afternoon, which means I've got 27 minutes left for podcasting. I had scheduled to record an episode of my weekly show, Father Roderick, Father Roderick Show, or Father Roderick Podcast, and Father Roderick to the Max, which is the other podcast that I record for the Patreon community. Well, uh, if I'm totally honest, I, I have to move that to tomorrow. In fact, there is another reason to do that. And that is, I, I wrote down that I would stop working at five. But that's just media work because tonight I still have the the meeting, the board meeting, which is also a monthly meeting with the uh, supervising board. Um, and there too, we, we are still in this transitional phase. So there's a lot that we need to talk about and plan for the new year. We're going to talk about the, the plan for 2022. And so... That'll still take me about an hour and a half, two hours tonight. So I'm already working too much today. I've already, I started working at eight. If I don't count the journaling and the planning. So I do that in my spare time before eight o'clock in the morning. And it's now uh, five. Uh, five. <laughs> I'm a little bit tired. How much time is that? That's nine hours, right? So I've already worked nine hours today. I still have to do a board meeting of about two hours. So in total, I will have worked 11 hours minus lunch. Okay, I'll give you, I'll grant you an hour for lunch and coffee. But that's still um, 
that's still too much. So uh, the the well, it's a challenge. On the other hand, I have to say that I really enjoy the work. I really enjoy being free to uh, to build community, to focus on the international work, uh, to work on the documentaries. It's so much fun. It's what I what I really hoped I I could be able to do, but but really couldn't because of I was spending so much time on other obligations. And now uh, I feel like this is the moment to fly. I just have to make sure that I flap my wings in a steady pace, but not overdo it because otherwise I'll just get too tired and, uh, and burn out, which is the last thing I would like to, uh, to happen. So um, what else is new? Well, um, I'm, I've been cooking up a storm, to be honest. Uh, I love my new kitchen. I've got an oven. I've got, like, it's the, I love the design that we made. So it's just a really nice place to cook. And I've been having so much fun to try out uh, new recipes, but also to make some changes to my diet. Uh, especially, I'm cooking way more vegetarian dishes. And uh, I, I, I find my inspiration on TikTok and on YouTube. And sometimes I just Google a recipe and I try it out. And it's uh, almost every day I'm cooking three meals that I've never cooked before. This morning I, I did, um, I made pancakes with grits. So I think two years ago I bought two boxes with grits. And I remember eating grits in, when I was in the southern part of the United States. I was staying with uh, Greg and Jennifer Willits. And uh, Greg's father took me to like this really um, over-the-top southern american restaurant where you know it was almost as if i walked onto the set of a a wild west movie and uh, they had rocking chairs and everything was like this dark wood and there were deer heads (laughs) on the walls and and guns on display and we well he said you cannot be here in atlanta without having eaten grits for breakfast and I had no idea what that was. Turns out it's something that in Dutch we call grutte. Boekweit um, grutte. So it's, it's a bit like, por- well, you can make, turn it into a porridge. That's what they do basically there. They, they just uh, uh, add water and milk and butter and cheese. And then it becomes this kind of gooey, blubbery um, pudding or, or, or porridge. And you eat that with an egg, sunny side up, uh, some bacon. Well, the usual in the, in the United States in the morning is uh, <laughs> breakfast for champions. Let's put it that way. Um, and it is surprisingly nice, but it's savory. And that's something that I didn't expect. So when I saw that these uh, grits were on sale, I bought two boxes of them and never got around to making anything with them. So this morning, I'm looking at my pantry, and I was like, what am I going to do? I don't want to eat regular bread or sandwiches. Um, let's, am I going to do another Korean breakfast? Like, I use, uh, do that often, where I just cut up a, uh, a potato in very thin slices and add thin-sliced carrot and uh, spring onions and um, sometimes a bit of ham, and it's delicious, 
very nutritious, but I had already eaten that for two days, so I was like, no, I'm going to make something with grits. But I wasn't in a, in a porridge mood. Like, yeah, no. Like, I, I'm, not into, I'm not in a mood for, for oatmeal or, or even the grits that I ate in Atlanta. Maybe some other time. But what else can I make? And so I finally found uh, a recipe that uh, struck a chord. It's like, you can make pancakes with grits. And it's not the most obvious substance to use for pancakes because the grits themselves are much less um, refined compared to uh, regular, uh, uh, what is it, uh, pancake, the, the batter, the normal, normally pancake batter is very, uh, kind of covers the pan and with grits, you've got all these bubbles and it's more grainy and so you need more egg to keep it together. But in the end, it actually turned out quite well. It was very, very nice. So I'm sitting, these are my little moments of happiness. For me, the, the art of living like a hobbit is not about living in a hobbit hole um, or, or eating exactly what hobbits eat, but it's these little moments of happiness where you're trying out a recipe. I'm sitting there in the kitchen. It is um, 5.30 in the morning. Sorry about the loud noise. I'm walking back home and there's this busy road next to me. It's already, of course, a rush hour. People are going home for, for dinner. But I can sit there. I have no radio on. There's no music. Um, and I'm just eating this pancake and I put on a layer of Nutella and then I uh, some banana spl- uh, slices. I'm sitting there just enjoying like, thank you, God for this pan- this grits pancake. <laughs> it's so nice. And I, those are actually um, little moments that I'm most thankful for in my new house. It's these quiet times. Um, the, maybe it's also a reaction to this extremely busy year behind me. Uh, I feel like everything is now settling it's getting calmer. Definitely not more boring or anything. Or It's not that I'm not doing anything. But there is more... I feel there's more space, more room in my head to, again, to live in the here and now and to appreciate these moments of silence. And I think waking up really early at 5 o'clock helps me to appreciate them more because at 5 o'clock there is nothing urgent everything even my media my phone is quiet uh, there are no updates on social media because everybody is sleeping you know, the few people that are awake are you know on the west coast of the united states so i i think this is this is something that uh, is an unexpected benefit of of waking up early is to more to have more uh, space in my mind to just enjoy that moment without feeling that need that you know that, that almost that guilt of like I'm sitting here I've, I've been wasting half an hour making these pancakes finding a recipe I could have been doing so many productive things oh my life is not about how much I do or or production or you know economic value 
what makes my life valuable is accepting it as a gift and and passing on what I receive as gifts. That is the core of, of the life that I want to live. And it is almost, you know, in that, that constant state of rush and the the inner urge to perform and to feel guilty if you don't I think it's an addiction and it's a bad one because it it's ultimately not how we will live our eternal life if there's one criterion on, of how we should live our life here on earth is that we should model it on the life that we're going to live in heaven and in heaven there, God is not going to put us into slave labor or anything <laughs> it's it's uh, it's a life of joy, a life where everything is happening under the sign of, of, of giving. God himself is someone who gives himself to us. That is his eternal joy, is to be there for us. And our eternal, or eternal joy is to be there for him. And so, if that is enough, if God is not going to tell us, hey, you can live here in heaven, and uh, you can have that fluffy cloud, uh, but you'll have to work at least five years per century on this or that. <laughs> you have to earn your, your eternal life. No. It's, it, you're earned by opening your heart. And that is something you cannot start early enough in life. Now, of course, we, we have our obligations. We, we, work needs to be done. But we should always be careful that to to make it a goal in itself. We work to live. We don't live to work. Someone told me that that is the big difference in mentality between um, Europeans and Americans. Now, I don't know if that's true. And usually these general assessments are, are far from the truth. But I like the distinction. Uh, so the, 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 the thing I read was Americans live to work and Europeans work to live or I think it was actually the French <laughs> not just Europeans in general, it's the difference between Americans and the French, well, this is probably something I saw on one of those TikTok videos um, now I'm following this woman who does commentary on um, Emily in Paris and she is American and her boyfriend is French and they both comment on this series that depicts a, the life of this young American girl in Paris and then the cultural clashes all the time and uh, that stuck with me yeah do I want to live to work or do I want to work to live I'm choosing the latter and I hope that this year is uh, going to be successful in that respect thank you so much for listening if you want to listen to the extra mile that I record uh, every walk for my patrons then you can join the community um, very very low entrance in, in the sense that you can contribute a tiny monthly donation less than half of what you would pay for a cup of coffee at Starbucks uh, per month and you will get access to uh, all these extra podcasts that I do and also to the Discord server the community server um, where I hang out with the, with the community and, and you get to support what I do. It is really an offer you cannot refuse. That's me saying. <laughs> Thanks, 
and we'll talk soon. God bless.